Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Can you ask Dr. Beckett what the print runs were on the first Beckett football and basketball magazines? Even hockey, they were several times bigger than what baseball was. Baseball is the primary, relatively rare issue number one. Football was six figures. Basketball was six figures. Hockey was six figures. Hockey was strong in those days because we brought that out last yeah. of those four. And baseball, those first issues were around 10,000 copies, and they're gone. I think recently with the grading of magazines, I can only imagine, do you get hit up with more magazine questions you mean to sign them? To sign them, questions about the original issues, just because people are collecting them so much more now. Here's a good question. If you guys were me, is there a limit to how many I should sign? Right I after said. you sign mine, you should stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you gave me three, what if you gave me five? What if you gave me 10? We're such good friends. What if you gave me 100, Danny? Would I say, Danny, we're not that good of friends? Or, Danny, what are you going to do with these? And you I say, mean, I've got 99 cousins. I just want to give one to each of the cousins. If I show up with an authenticator and a whole bunch of postage mailing labels, you have a right to ask me to take a hike. So I could just put to Danny Black only. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and sign my name. Here's a question, Dr. Jim. Obviously, you're at the show. You're perusing those dollar boxes. Someone comes up to you with a Beckett. To sign, you got to stop what you're doing and sign it. Would you rather them mail it to you with postage to send it back and just sign it at your convenience rather than come up to you at a show with them? I'd rather do the show. Then I could look the person in the eye, say thank you, yeah. and sign it. Doesn't okay. take very long. Sometimes they just sit down next to me. Either I get up or they sit down and they're curious to how I like to hobby. But it's simple. Dropping it in the mail is a little bit of a headache, but it's not. A huge headache. I'm not refusing anything. And my fee, I'm realizing now my fee has not been updated since everybody else updated. Of course, they do happen to be members of the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I'm not. <laughs> Chris Harris is putting in a bid to be your agent right here. Manage. Chris, you're going to have to go through my other unpaid agent whose initials are RK. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dr. Beckett is the Stanley of the hobby. I've uh, never heard that, but I kind of like it. I don't know if Dr. Jim likes it. He makes all these amazing cameos, but he's gone now, guys. <laughs> Not that far. He's a legend, so it matches up in that regard, if you ask me. We used to say we'll find you at the dollar box at the National, but I guess now we'll see you at the 50-cent box. <laughs> I'm not going to break the story, but there's some big news along those lines. Just wait and see. Wow. Don't, don't follow uh, well, me around, but I'm going to be where the good deals are and people I like to shop with. All right. Well, here's your agent. Rich says, I do procure him some old-timer guests for the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to start the rumor there's some clubby Dr. Jim Otto signed by Rich Klein. <laughs> <laughs> Take it to Spence or Grad or somebody. In fact, now I can reveal they do have Rich Klein exemplars. And they have my exemplar. So I think Rich would wow. not do that. All right. That just changed my national plans and strategy, my goal. For, forget, forget that Brooks Robinson. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm with the Rich Klein autograph. I'm taking right to JSA. Dr. Jim, I wanted your thoughts just on what the hobby gets from the National and what it does for the hobby. Here's what could happen, just doing the math. Last year, same hours, different location, different part of the country, but you had 400,000 square feet and 100,000 customers last year. Let's just agree on that. I think those are the numbers. This year in Chicago, it's 600,000 square feet. We're going to need 150,000 people there to put the same GNP or the same money spread around so that each dealer, it could be the best show ever and the average dealer could do worse than last year. So that could be some grumbling. I think it's going to be the best national ever. I'm hoping that it is. But if it isn't, there'll be disappointment because they've really put a lot of tables in the room. I had Ray on the show, and he's predicting the best modern-day national we've seen. From someone who has an inside pulse, he's expecting that. But, John, you got to have 50% more people there each day instead of 20,000 people there each of the five days. you got to have 30. I think they can do that, and I hope they do it. Yes, Chicago's most people's favorite venue. To me, Chicago is the best place for the National. It's not my favorite building. It's a little dark. The ceiling feels a little low. The Baltimore Convention Center was an amazing venue. I love the IX Center in Cleveland. The old one, I understand, has been rebuilt. Nice high ceilings, tons of natural light. Uh, Despite that, I still think Chicago is the best place for it. It's a hub city as well for all the airlines. So any hub city, really, Chicago, Denver, those are two that come to mind for me as being the best. So many people won't go to Atlantic City for various reasons. So Dr. Beckett's comments that we need like 50,000 more people in Chicago, we might get that. We just might get that from the Mideast and people who weren't willing to travel to Atlantic City isn't exactly convenient either. Dr. Jim, I know you're the director of tourism for Denver right now. What would you think about a national in Denver? Has there ever been one? No, not a national and the regional shows there are good for Denver, but you have to have some people that are driving there too. And Denver's not a great driving area. Anaheim is a very strong area, but does Rob Veris really need to call it a national to draw a huge crowd? Same thing with Kyle Robertson in Dallas. Does not need to have a national to have a super successful show? But we've got new regime coming in. This is John Brogy's last year. He's going to go out on a great note. And the new guys are going to take a fresh look. And they'll look at all these. And and Ray, whom I have a lot of confidence in, is going to help them with that. But there's a voting process that's problematic sometimes for how the national sites are selected in terms of voting. The committee, I think, determines the finalists. And then the table holders above a certain priority get one table, one vote, or one dealer, one vote. I think that's it. And then you're going to figure it out. But it's pre-wired, guys. They're not putting up a list of a whole bunch of cities. They're pre-approved by the advanced team. So the people never really have a choice. It's kind of like the presidential election. You got a choice between two people. And, and that's what they're doing here. But again, a new group coming in, and they have East Coast roots with Joe and those guys. I think they're going to take a fresh look at it. And I'd love to see it go... If it was in Chicago every other year and it was on the East Coast and the West Coast every four years, that'd be fine with me. Dr. Jim, a question with Dallas. I know, obviously, it's an epicenter when it comes to the industry and the hobby itself. 
that has been in Dallas in the past. Has Kyle Robertson show his Dallas car show, which obviously does real well. Many people call it the best show after the national. Do you think that hurts the national ever coming back to Dallas? Does he want it to come here? Right now, his shows are outstanding, and he's filling up the room and then some. He's got all these little rooms, so I don't think he needs the national. They'd have to bring him in. And right now, the structure of the ownership of the national is not such that it's as lucrative, perhaps. There's some issues there with that. He's doing great. And Rob Veris is going to come up with that same realization when this Anaheim thing keeps growing, which I believe it will, that... To call it the national, yeah, that helps. But he has complete control with his partners, people that he's working with. You don't have complete control at the national. The question is moving forward. What's going to separate the national from some of these other shows as they grow? The name. Is the show itself going to be that much different than the other big shows? Or are they going to start to look alike? It'd be hard for them to look alike because the differentiator For the National is the breaking pavilion, the main stage, the huge corporate area. You can't just all of a sudden have that. And Kyle didn't want that. I don't think Rob will want this unusually huge area for corporates. I don't think Dallas or Burbank want the National to come to their territory. They've carved out a nice show niche for themselves in both of those markets right now. I also think the National might have missed the boat on it at this point to go there because there are established shows that are great in both. And I've never been to Dallas, but I feel like it's great. I've been to both Burbank shows and they were both great. Unless they can find a way to partner with these promoters in those areas or just come in and say, we don't care that you're here. The promoter, the Kyles and the Robs, they're not going to be too happy about that, but I don't know what choice they would have. So unless they can really work together. I don't see it being a symbiotic existence in either of those markets. Chris's point is you should have an East Coast presence on a semi-frequent basis. And I know this hobby has always been Northeast kind of centric. And I wonder if there's truth to that. Now, the new promoters are all East Coast based. So there's going to be knowledge of the area. Joe is very successful in Philly and Chantilly and even involved in Pittsburgh, I think. So the question is, knowing those East Coast areas and their show schedules, Will that stay in the rotation? The word Jeremy used was partner. And the word I use is junior partner. (laughs) They are not going to be full partners. The boss is going to be the national. And then Rob or Kyle or any of them are going to work underneath that. That doesn't feel so good when you're used to being the boss. But if Rob says, you know what, I'm going to keep building up this Anaheim Labor Day show every year. I'll tell you what, that's going to ramp up pretty quickly. If they lock in the date, lock in a long-term arrangement with the convention center there, and people are going to put it on their calendar. Jeremy, the Toronto Expo has basically done that. They had, what is it, the second weekend in November and the second weekend in May or whatever. They have set dates you can set your clock by. They're fabulous shows partly because of that. Frankly, also, especially, they're well run. They're not just in good places. Definitely. Why would you go to the National in Chicago if you've got a great show in Dallas or a great show in Burbank, Anaheim, or the East Coast National, or really what differentiates it? I've never been to the Dallas show. I thank Rich for saying I need to come. I want to. I will one day. But I understand the Dallas show to be a card show. Even Burbank is a card show at this point, whereas the National, it's truly a convention. All the industry is there. It's a card show with all the industry players set up 
exhibiting their businesses, their products, their services. And along with all the cards, you're also going to see all the people there where the regional shows tend to really attract mostly the regional collectors and hobbyists. The question is, if you're only allowed to go to two shows in a year, what's the second show? Expo. That would be the case for most hockey people, but it depends on where you live. Frankly, we're in good shape. There's a lot of good choices where you would go after the national. But there are dealers, mainly vintage, that only get a booth or a table at the national. And the only time you get a chance to shop with them, and some of them are OG, they're not even necessarily selling on other platforms. The Strongsville show, I hear a lot of great things about that as a great vintage show. Yeah, I go every year. I think that's the best vintage show in the country by far. About the Javits Center and Comic-Con. I'm a New York City kid. I would love it. I have family there still. But I've been told parking is the issue. There's parking, hotel room, table fees. All that stuff is double what dealers expect. And so they wouldn't vote for it. Even though the show could be twice as good because you couldn't get a better epicenter for population, I think. But if Michael Rubin says we're going to be $1 million underwriting sponsors with a huge corporate presence that buys down the table fees and gets a huge block of hotel rooms at half price, then maybe, but it's way more expensive to do business there. So so you're saying there could be the fanatical coming soon. At that point, it would be bought and paid for legitimately, and the fanatical... Actually, that could fly, John. It's chump change for a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation with designs to (laughs) acquire every other company in the industry (laughs) and every license. There's a bunch of money that walks into the room and there's a voluntary wealth redistribution that happens and (laughs) dealers need to go back with more than what they came with. And they normally do. And collectors need to go home with prized possessions. And they will. The man 